As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box that is full of awesome geek and gamer items, as well as pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include a t-shirt, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kind items. Next time around, join us as we celebrate the futuristic. July's crate is full of items from your pop culture's favorite prognostications of science and the future. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Trek. I love the Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Mega Men, Valiant Comics. They're doing the 4001 crosser, I believe. And Star Trek, including a model, a figure, and the monthly tea and the pin. Ah, man, this sounds like a fantastic, or I should say, futuristic Ooh. box this month. Now, here's the important How part, everybody. Fascinating. How That's about fasseristic? Last yeah, week, we no. had dystoporific, so we can do futuretastic. There you go. There you go. Futuretastic. If you want to get your hands on this futuretastic box, you have until July 19th, 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific, to subscribe and receive this month's crate. And if you miss that deadline, you are out. So make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash spoilers. Enter the code spoilers and save $3 off any new subscription. It's that easy. Sit back, wait for all the goodness to come your way. That's lootcrate.com slash spoilers. Use the checkout code spoilers. Thank you, Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, You might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, a wandering island, I appear something, something, la-dee-da. And there's probably a Pokemon in your garage. Barry Allen's new paradigm could change the face of the DCU. Plus, Space Battle Lunchtime! With a title like that, you know it has to be good. In a little flair, a dash of pepper, and the kick-butt pole of the week, and it's our 685th consecutive program of awesome. So put the lime in the coconut, the lemon in the tidy bowl, and a song in our hearts, because the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. 
Welcome to Issue 658 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And most importantly, thank you for sharing this episode with a friend, going out and telling people, spreading the good word. That's how uh, we gain an audience. And uh, you can help us out by doing that. You can also help us out by going over to Majorspoilers.com. And anytime you want to make a purchase, just click on that Amazon link. It's not going to cost you anything extra, but a little bit comes back our way. Oh, some big news going on this week, and I'm glad to have Rodrigo and Matthew here with us again. Mm. We'll be talking about the uh, Dark Horse Comics, the manga adaptation of Wondering Island later in the show. But first, let us get to some news. <laughs> Three items that we have on our list this week. We have Pokemon Go is a <laughs> not quite an, a worldwide phenomena. Big Pokemon Go little, just play in the game of life. Big Trouble in Little China turns 30 years old, and Kid Flash costume is re- revealed for the third season of The Flash. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where we land. And we land there on the Pokemon Go's. Uh, Pokemon Go uh, was uh, launched, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. July 5th is when it was released here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, this past weekend, it became so popular that it is now more popular than Twitter. There are more daily active users using Pokemon Go than uh, than using Twitter. It is uh, popular among the young kids uh, to get them outside. One of the biggest complaints about users is their legs are sore from all the walking that they're doing. One of our Twitter followers messaged me and said, because uh, I was talking about, oh, you know, ultimately I want to get up to 30,000 steps a day just in my exercise program. And this person wrote to me and said, oh, no, my daughter uh, just had 33,000 steps yesterday while playing Pokemon Go. And I know little kids' uh, legs are, you know, a little bit shorter and probably don't cover the distance that big people's legs do. So if it's half the distance of me, that's still like 10 miles that a kid put on there. Yeah. Uh, of course, there have been all sorts of allegations about uh, sharing of information. What does this really mean? But, hey, everybody wants to be a Pokemon trainer and get themselves a, a Pokemon. Have you guys had a chance to check this out, Rodrigo? I have, yeah. I downloaded it a few days ago, and I've been checking it out. Yeah, what are your, what's your initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction is that, um, you know... This intellectual property you can do a lot with, but this is genius, and especially because they got the Ingress guys. Mm. Who well, it's the, it's this exact same company. In fact, yeah. this is just yeah. a reskin of the Ingress uh, app. I, I, it is uh, in a lot of ways, and you know, it, it's really smart because they're taking this intellectual property that's already very popular, and they're taking years of experience of Ingress. Um, uh, which is basically competitive geocaching mm-hmm. um, and essentially combining these two things so that, you know, uh, the Pokemon company didn't have to start from zero or start from scratch doing all this research. Then, in fact, a lot of the infrastructure already exists because of Ingress, right. um, which which also leads to some issues, which we can we can probably talk about. too. Right. So just to keep in mind that the Pokemon Pokemon as a brand or whatever is owned by three different companies. One of them is Nintendo. The other one is the um, um, company that built the Pokemon Go and and the Ingress stuff. So they already own part of the Pokemon franchise. So they could kind of do this anyway. And I forget who the third party is that that owns a freak. Maybe that's who it is that owns a, a major share in Pokemon. But because people assume that Pokemon is a Nintendo product, the stock rose so much for Nintendo that in the first week, they the company made $7.5 billion for doing nothing. 
Nice. Just in the, just in the rate of the stock increase. Matthew, have you had a chance to check out the Pokemon Go? Oh, no. no. How come? Well, here's the thing. Cast your mind back to a year long ago called 1998. Imagine that you're a, a young man working in a comic shop. You're, you're a, a brushy, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed lad of 28. And Pokemon mania hits the United States, or at least the, the central United States. And by that, I mean Topeka. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? A tidal and, wave. A, feces. a tsunami. Yes. That's it. No, that's that's insensitive. But yeah, it. I have just nightmares from the days of selling Pokemon cards when they were really, really, really hot. And honestly, being the person that I am, anything that is a game based on completism, I'm really leery of because you'll remember. At one point, some guy was like, hey, watch this cool series, and now I have literally 210 action figures sitting next to my computer. Mm. So as someone who falls into that completist mentality, because I bought the original issues, I don't know that this is necessarily a game that's going to be good for my overall uh, productivity and mental awareness. But, you know, I don't, I don't fault anybody playing it. A lot of my friends are playing it. People are playing it in the hallway outside my office, which is weird. Because that's the morgue. But still, it's one of those things where I'm really happy to see people interacting and talking to each other and people being super excited yeah. about the game. It is really weird because – and I and it's weird to say that this is a phenomenon. Oh, but it is. but I think it is because it's really weird. Uh, I got the app on oh either Thursday or Friday, and I opened it up and I played around with it a little bit. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I see what they're doing. And then the kids got home from school and I was like, hey, let's, you know, check this out. And they were, of course, Mason, the oldest, is into Pokemon big time. And so he was blown away. And then for the rest of the weekend, you could spot people who were playing Pokemon Go. Yep. Because, number one, they were pasty white people who had probably never seen the sun in about <laughs> 16, 20 years. Uh, or the fact that there were just groups of people hanging out, talking and communicating with one another, which is one of the greatest things that I can think that happens about Pokemon Go is it it is encouraging people to interact with one another. And mm -hmm. part of the problem, Rodrigo, because you've been using this, and I think you and I might agree that there are the execution of this game as far as getting you up to speed is pretty poor. Basically, you're yeah. introduced to uh, Dr. Willow or whatever his name. And he's like, hey, go catch some Pokemon. And it's like, <laughs> OK, so what does this thing mean? And what does this thing do? And what do the candies mean? And all this thing. There's no instructions on this thing. Just yeah, so. there's like there's like a few tutorials, but the tutorials actually leave a lot of information out. Yeah. And so what you end up having to do is you have to you're standing at a pokey stop with somebody else and, and you're trying to catch a, a Charizard and the person's like, oh, hey, let me show you this real cool thing you can do with the, the ball to spin it and curve it so that you catch them easier. Oh, hey, I don't know you, stranger, but thank you for sharing that information with me. Ah, we can bond over this thing. And so we've got complete strangers who are willing to share and interact and exchange ideas with one another. And so that's probably one of the best things about mm -hmm. this. People who have no reason who probably any other day of the week before this game had been released would never give each other the time of day. But now people are laughing and joking and saying, Hey, your Pokemon going to Hey, yeah. All right. You know, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see that. People want to catch an end dust or uh, I don't know, a, a grackle flint. Yeah. yeah. Um, people are really looking. And this is the thing that I really appreciate is there are a couple of parks mm -hmm. in the area where I live. And it's not a heavily 
trafficked area and you know there there's a couple of basketball rims people will sometimes shoot there are literally people wandering all over the parks yeah. all over the baseball diamonds just wandering around having fun walking and talking and trying to play their game and that is so, the second biggest advantage i think of this game is it's actually disguising exercise as fun which is something <laughs> nintendo which nintendo has been big on for the last couple of years ever since they introduced the wii where they're trying to get people to stand up and move around in order to interact with the game to make them more active people this game from what is it neon tech uh, they're actually getting people to go outside and walk miles upon miles while hunting down these little virtual monsters more on virtual monsters in a moment rodrigo go ahead Oh, I, I was going to say the I'm not entirely super clear on what uh, w- how each of these Pokestops are generated, but I know that a lot of them come from either Google or yes. Ingress. That was that already happened. That that was already set up. Yes. So you do get a lot of parks. You get a lot of landmarks. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, depending on your ingress players, you get some weird places. Like uh, there's been reports of people who are like, all the Pokestops in my neighborhood are bars. Some you know? some mm-hmm. are. And there there is some older data now. You know, a little bit of history on this is that the guy that's running Neantec or whatever. Um, Matthew, I think you're buzzing there. You might want to unplug and plug back in. But the, the Neantec guy... Um, I believe created the original Google Earth, which led to Google Maps, which he then sold to Google. So they're using that Google data and the Google Earth and the Google Map data to bring in all of the the database information of landmarks and water and all of that stuff. But the bad thing is, is it's really, really out of date. In fact, from my neighborhood, our house shows up on the, the map, but the and the house behind us shows up on the map, but the you know, 50 to 100 other houses that have been built over the last decade mm-hmm. is just an open grassland with no roads or anything. So it's really weird where you suddenly look down and you're on a street and you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of the grassland. What's going on here? So, yeah, the databases are a little bit out of out of whack. And I think that they at some point need to update that stuff. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. The uh, the sign for my apartment complex is a Pokestop. So every time oh, really? I'm out walking, yeah, every time I'm out walking the dogs, there's a bunch of kids like uh-huh. playing with their phones in front of it. And I'm like, well, this is terrible because my dogs are not very social, like mm. not very well socialized. So now I have to walk around them. But it's nice. It's nice to see them out and about and doing stuff. Uh-huh. Young, young uh-huh. Zach, uh, he actually works at a Pokestop. And nice. so every five well, yeah, minutes, it just yeah. triggers, it just triggers every five minutes on his, on his Pokemon go to where he can get new balls and new, whatever that they have coming out. <laughs> so he's, and people have said that if they live close by it, it's a great way to, to, uh, get a lot of uh, bonus content, especially yeah, can, get almost an infinite number of Pokeballs. Depending on where I stand in my apartment, I can actually trigger that Pokestop. Ah, uh, cool. So I can actually do it at home. Um, except for an issue that I'm having that I think a handful of people are having too, which is that my phone, for whatever reason, doesn't quite mesh with the um, with the thing because my phone's kind of old. Mm, mm-hmm. So it can't find the GPS a lot of the time, and yeah. it just kind of locks up on me. Yeah. Good reason to upgrade, Rodrigo. Good reason <laughs> to upgrade, I Don't. suppose. I'm going to – well, I'm going to – I mean, I'm going to get a new phone – eventually anyway um but yeah i'm not like here's the thing pokemon go is great it's lots of fun but i am at a once per day 
uh, like restarting my phone oh, right, limit. Right. Mm-hmm. If uh, Pokemon Go is like, nope, not doing it more than once, and I'm like, well, then that is it for the game for today. And maybe for tomorrow, if I turn this on and it's still doing this, like I don't know. I, I am at the I am at the crossroads of being interested in Pokemon, but also enough of a grouch that I'm like, I'm not wasting that much battery on this. It is a huge it is, it is a huge battery drain, which was one of my biggest complaints about it. And it heats my phone up, so it's like when yeah. I go when I go for a walk, I could use that time to incubate some eggs, right? And I can I can get two eggs incubated in my morning walk, no no problem. Problem is, I also need that for my map my walk thing so I can tell how many steps I taken, what my route was and all of that kind of stuff. And the two together are draining my battery before I can finish my walk, even fully charged. And it's like, nope, I can't do that. So a battery issue, there is a a feature under the settings where you can turn on the battery saver, which is supposed to limit that um, battery drain. But it's still kind of a pain in the butt. So um, two days I've gone walking and not been able to incubate eggs because it's like, well, the health data that I need is more important than than the egg stuff. Uh, So one of the things that I find interesting is, and of course I showed this to my son and within 24 hours, he was a Pokemon go expert was Mm -hmm. telling me that when it comes to legendary Pokemon, they're only going to be located in certain places around the world. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, I don't know one of the big legendary um, air um, Pokemon is only Uh going to be found up in a mountainous region. While a fire Pokemon legendary figure may only be found during around volcanic yeah. activity type stuff. I think it's called an I- Icosagram. Is that what it is? Yeah. Icosagram. I don't know all the Pokemon. I tried to remember the yeah. Pokemon rap today. but Don't I listen to, to this guy. Uh, what? <laughs> but here's a thing that I that I think would be interesting if they're trying to encourage you to get out and move around and do stuff. There's there's actually three things that I would like to see done in this game that I think would be rather interesting as an experiment. The first is certain Pokemon should only be found in certain regions. For example, what's that big one that comes up out of the water? Is that a Naga? Uh, the um, fish guy? Yeah, the big fish uh, the y- eel the Gyarados. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one is big enough that you shouldn't find it in your local golf uh, uh, pond. Now, the, a Gyarados is pretty hard to find, although I, I think that's true. I think, like, I, I've heard reports that you can find it in um, mostly coastal areas. Yeah, and that's where I think it should be found. And, of course, like, some of the night creatures can only be found at night. So yeah. I think that's kind of cool. So my second, my second option or second idea that I was thinking about is what if you had they're already trying to convince people that exercise is fun. But what if you subtly taught people conservation through this app? What if, and it's just a a simple algorithm that you could create where you say, here's how many Pidgeys there are in the world. And here they are in these various locations. Here's their birth rate. Here's their death rate. This is how many Pidgeys there are at any given time. And then as people are snatching these things up and gathering them up and hoarding them, the Pidgey population drops to the point where you could introduce an extinction level event because so many people are hoarding or quote unquote killing a Pokemon in this game. I mean, that would be a, an interesting long game way to teach people conservation and also right. kill this game. Well, but, but here's the other <laughs> option, right? You've got professor Willow. He pops in and says, Hey, you know, the, the Pidgey population is being reduced Maybe you should, you know, release some of the Pidgeys that you have back into the wild so that they can repopulate. 
Well, you or you put or you put Pokemon on an endangered species, a certain Pokemon on an endangered species list. Uh, seriously, like uh, showing somebody a Pokemon and being like, "Don't catch it because it's bad for it." No way. Like Pokemon already walks that line, and right. by that I mean it like gets no, on a totally does that. and runs right through it. Right. No way. There's no way they would do something like that. And I think it's counter that runs counter to what Pokemon is which is going out and catching these guys. Right. Uh, it would, like, if you think, you have to think about it, not just from, oh, what are we teaching people, but from a game standpoint, mm-hmm. what do what do we get people to do that feels good? And it's like, yeah, walking two miles, ten miles to catch Pokemon, it feels good. It feels good at the end. Show it, dangling a Pokemon in front of them and being like, you're a bad person if you catch this. <laughs> no, not, no, it doesn't have to. I mean, there's, you know, when you look at uh, Ducks Unlimited, their whole thing is, hey, let's sustain the population so that mm-hmm. you can go out and you can hunt these. So you can yeah. go out and capture them. So, you know, something like that could be set up. The other thing that I think, the third thing that I think would be interesting just to see what overall reaction would be is you over... You overhunt or you overcapture the um, Ekans, and suddenly the Rattus population increases. Or you uh, <laughs> you 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 over you overhunt the um, Pidgeotos, and suddenly the Rattus population increase or the um, the Ekans population increases. They, they could do some very interesting things with this to really simulate some real world things. That maybe people wouldn't really understand on the offset. You know, if they came out and said, hey, we're going to teach you all about conservation and we can talk to you about an ecosystem and how these things all work together. We're going to force it into the game. They don't have to say anything. They can just start to put it in over time. And people would say, why am I suddenly seeing this everywhere I go, all, all these radishes, but I'm not catching any any Ekans. Oh, Ekans eat the radishes. Ah, let me release some of my, my Ekans back into the world. Get me some candy. Get me some experience points. And suddenly the Rattus population goes down. I think that – well, there, there are two things. I think that it's an interesting idea, but it relies on a population of gamers being aware and or not just jerks enough to want to destroy all the mm-hmm. Ekans or the, or the Drambuis mm-hmm. or the, the, the Bongo Lombers. But secondly, and I think this is something – if we're talking about the – millions and millions and millions of users. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're talking about, I do not live in a large city, mm-hmm. but there are literally hundreds of people that I have seen right. playing this. At one point I drove by and there was a guy sitting in a parking lot outside of Chuck E. Cheese staring at his phone. And I'm like, that gentleman is playing Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a moment where if it is as widespread as it seems to be, I don't think that there's really any possible way to do that on a massive scale. I mean, right now, I don't even know if the game... Do you have any interaction with other players? So uh, there's a few yet. things. Uh, probably the main interaction that you have with other players is that you can join a team. There yeah. are three teams... Mm-hmm. And you essentially go and attack gyms. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, if you're familiar with Ingress, it's kind of like that. And you can claim it for your team, and then you can defend your gym as yeah, well so from do, other teams. You have Pokemon bot battles with your Pokemon. Right, there's there's Team Ramrod. Well, there's and, three uh, teams. There's team uh, Rocket. There's uh, Red, Yellow, and Blue. Blue is Mystic. Red is uh, I forget what all the the teams are. What team are you, Rodrigo? Um. I, I'm I'm 
I'm slated for Mystic right now. I actually haven't re- reached level five yet. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but uh, mostly I'm going to be team whatever my girlfriend wants to be. <laughs> okay, all right. Because uh, uh, I can't, we can't have, we can't have this house divided. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I ended up cool. in, I ended up in the Mystic team too because we were driving by a gym and uh, Mason was playing it in the back seat. He's like, Dad, I signed you up for Team Mystic. I was like, I, I don't. I would like to have a choice in that, say, because I don't think I don't know how you leave a gym or leave a team once you join. So that's all right. Yeah. Uh, So the other interaction part, Matthew, is something that hasn't been introduced yet, but it is in the in the previous iteration. The Ingress game is the ability to transfer creatures back and forth. So, you know, if you create an, an instance where certain Pokemon can only be found, let's say, on the Pacific Coast. Mm -hmm. Well, Rodrigo and I could he could. Takes I, he could send me one of his uh, Pacific Coast Pokemon, and I could send him one of my Plains Pokemon, and mm-hmm. we could transfer characters that way. So that would be another interaction thing that they haven't okay. unlocked yet. And a right. lot of people have been complaining that the Ingress game um, has a lot more features than Pokemon Go. But if you think about it, why would you release Pokemon Go with everything when you can release little bits and pieces at a time? Right. And suddenly your people are like, oh, they've got a new update. How cool is this right. new feature? So yeah. The collectible part of it is definitely right. there. Plus, right, right. Plus, I mean, uh, you you guys uh, realize this. Releasing, just because a product has a precedent and because a product has an underlying structure that is similar to another one, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they can just port everything. There's a lot of work that has to be done into this. Yeah. Um, Pokemon does have different demands than Ingress. Pokemon calls for a slightly different play style than Ingress. Mm-hmm. So they have to adapt that. It's like saying, I don't know, it's like... It's kind of like if somebody did a like uh, DC Universe uh, game and they based it on a first-person shooter, which I think is literally what DC Universe Online is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and um, to say like, well, the first-person shooter was already done. Just make that into Superman. It's like, well, well, Superman doesn't even shoot people. I mean, he's got lasers, but you have to introduce this whole punching mechanic now. Right. And you, you know, you have to make sure that you have your Parigon so that he can give people seizures. But I think that part of this game historically has always been the release of the new packets with the new, the new guys right. or the new locations or the new trainers or the different things. And when you get to a point where I think that once the shine starts to come off this, we will start seeing the we it, like immediately as soon as numbers drop we're going to start seeing hey guys well guys, they they <laughs> haven't they haven't released all of the pokemon yet so right now they only yeah, there's have already some sort of release schedule yeah. yeah so they until they get up 20 how many 125 i think is in the first release um that's still a ridiculous which is interesting number. because whenever i first opened the app on friday there were only 76 that i could get and maybe as i right. went up in level some others became yeah, available. the lower yeah the lower level you are like at low levels you can only ca- catch certain ones you have to level up in order for yeah. the other ones to start appearing. But right, right now, just, right now I'm looking and it looks like there are seven hundred decks twenty. Well, there's seven hundred and twenty total, oh. but right now there's only hundred and thirty two Pokemon available in the game. Okay, so that's, that's so you don't even saying. have the original one hundred and fifty one. Not yet, right. I don't. So yeah, that's that. I mean, that's just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all. I part wonder of that. if that's a if that's you know a, a calculated rollout or if it's just we didn't have it. No, now. I think no, it's, I, I think it's all calculated. I think it is. I think um, 
I mean, if you get if you get to 125, that's close enough to 150, right? Mm-hmm. So then those other guys can be released. You know, they, they were probably at a point where they were like, well, we can have 125 of them or 175, and that's going to put us over, and we don't want to include new ones, so let's just have like a limited number, and mm-hmm. then we'll just include the next ones and the next one and so on and so mm-hmm. forth, right? Supposedly, they already have uh, a schedule for when. So so these guys are like your ca- your Kanto Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, supposedly, they already have a schedule for when the Johto region Pokemon, so the Pokemons from Gold and Silver, and then from, uh, you know, uh, through whatever, uh, are going to be released. Well, they can't be going in order, though, because I saw a Snorlax, and Snorlax... Is about one from the uh, Snorlax is from the original 150. Right, but it's 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 above 125. It's like number 140. Oh, oh, you know, no, 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 no. They're not. Yeah, they're not like releasing. They're not like releasing them numerically. Oh no, no, no. no, It's a block. It's a big block of of, uh, Pokemon. So this this, game, as a thing, I remember some of these numbers, kids. That's how badly this affected my brain in 1998. I mean, you should definitely definitely check it out. Now, this as of this recording, the game has not rolled out. It like it really sounds to me like you have like this resource already. Yeah. And you're it's just going to waste. You could just pick I, one of the teams and just carry it on your back. This is my brain. See, first of all, I know Psyduck has a headache. I know that. Yeah. And I know that I always love the Hitmo because Hitmo is my favorite. But yeah, it's You can go out and capture your own Hitmo. This is the problem though. I do not wish to disappear down that particular rabbit yeah, but hole you don't, at this time. I mean, you don't have to. Schedule oh, like yeah. weekends because no, no, so okay. here's the thing. Okay. So here's the thing. Today, Tuesday, of, of this recording, I saw maybe two or three people out uh, doing Pokemon, and I didn't check this evening, but throughout mm-hmm. the day, there were very few people. On the weekend, man, there were a ton of people throughout the day everywhere doing this. Uh, Zach, uh, uh, young Zach, was mm-hmm. saying that uh, downtown here in, in Hayes was just loaded with people walking up and down the streets of downtown yeah. Uh, doing Pokemon Go, and that is something that you normally do not see in our town. So this could be a big boon to businesses. Uh, this could be a big, big boon to uh, churches. This could be mm-hmm. a big boon to uh, parks and recreations, as, as you said, Matthew. So there's a lot of positive things that I think can happen in this game. Now, We're as across of, at, the street from a library, and the yeah, library is apparently a, a gym. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either a stop or a, or a gym, sure. Now, this game there has not been released in this game has not been released in Europe or Asia as of this recording. Uh, they did say it would be any day now, kind of thing. But I think with the reaction of all the servers crashing left and right on the launch of this, they may be stretching that out to a little bit longer than a few days. Mm. Yeah, there are a few uh, stories already coming out about uh, unusual circumstances involving Pokemon Go. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think the most famous one is that somebody found a body. Yeah, while, found a dead body. Uh, yeah. While out uh, trying to catch them all. Um, but there's a few other things. You know, some parks are concerned. Like I just saw something where they were saying, like, hey, guys, make sure you stay on the trails when you're out in the park hunting Pokemon because it's mm-hmm. dangerous for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's like there are actual animals living at, out uh, <laughs> out here too, yep. not just pokies. Yep. So, what's what's the bottom line? Do you uh, recommend this, Rodrigo, or not? Uh, well, it's free, and it might uh, get you out of the house and doing other things. Um, I would recommend that you um, 
if you have a slightly older phone like I do, I mean, it's a smartphone and everything, um, but if you have a slightly older phone, go in knowing that one of three things is going to happen. Either it'll work fine or you'll run out of battery or it's not going to mesh properly with your phone's infrastructure and mm-hmm. will maybe glitch out on you. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're okay with that possibility, definitely go get it. If you want to be the very best like no one ever was, mm-hmm. you might want to consider a, a phone upgrade of like at least the past <laughs> generation mm-hmm. uh, before you right. really dive in. So for people who are concerned about the, um, the app accessing everything in your Google account, Mm-hmm. I would say get out there and get the update that was released today, uh, Tuesday of this recording, because that addresses that and they've scaled it back dramatically. And in the update, they're like, oh, we really we did not know we were turning all of this stuff on. We're sorry. We're apologizing. Update. And that will take care of, of all of that. So they don't. So Neontech nice. does not have access to everything yeah. in your Google account, providing that you you update. Have they yet apologized for the sadness of reading the backstory of a Cubone? No, not yet. Uh, OK, well. Because I cried. There, there is so little information in this game. This has a bad user interface, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do, which again can also be a plus because you're talking with people. Right. But it is very limited, even in what the backstory of any of these characters are. They just say, "Here's your, here's your character hit points. Here's what you can evolve it to. Here's how much it evolves to. Here's what it transforms into, etc." Mm-hmm. But it's got nothing in the way of you know what what this pokemon is or what it's supposed to do it shows you what its attacks are and whether it's you know what type it is but that's it so um you know just kind of just kind of keep that in mind as you go into it but i think it's got a lot of potential i think it can grow and and the best part is you know people are actually interested in going outside so there you go uh listeners if you want to hear us uh ruminate on uh big trouble in little china then you want to head over to members.majorspoilers.com. We've got a little bonus uh, part of the podcast over there if you want to check that out. And then uh, while you're also over there, be on the lookout for a new flashback update where Matthew and I will talk about the new Kid Flash costume that was revealed today. Of course, you can find all this information and more at Majorspoilers.com. Well, let's get to some reviews. Reviews. All right, Matthew, why don't you kick us off this week with a look at Invincible Iron Man number 11. Invincible Iron Man number 11, The Road to Civil War. Here's the first thing you need to know about this book. Are you ready? Sure. The solicitation given for Invincible Iron Man number 11 at marvel.com is actually is the solicitation. Spoilery? No, it's the solicitation oh. for next issue. <laughs> it's uh, This is Civil War number 12 is what they described. Senator Tony Stark and Captain America find themselves on the same side. See, Roger, Captain America, like, never seen. None of that is in this issue. Oh, no, 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 no. This issue wraps up abruptly the storyline from the first year of Invincible Iron Man. And by year, since the book comes out like three times a month, uh, 11 issues. Basically, what we're looking at here is what really feels like a truncated end to those first story arcs to get us to a point where civil war can kick off in the first few issues. We've been following a couple of different threads. One, Tony Stark is being threatened by his uh, board of directors because of his cowboy diplomacy and tendency to up and disappear. So he has hired himself an executive assistant to handle the day to days of the business. Secondly, he's gone undercover 
in Japan to try and track down an evil supervillain who is evil and supervillainy. And third, his armor specs have leaked on the internet, so a young woman named Riri has rebuilt his armor and is using it to fight crime in America. Okay, got all that? Write that down. This issue is all three of those plots wrapping up to a quick ending that isn't really satisfying but gets us to a a stopping point so that we can do Civil War for, I think, the next four months. So we end up with the board of directors actually storming the building with the ghost, who is a, an intangible Iron Man supervillain, hiring the ghost to break into Tony's lab so that they can take over. And what they find in the lab is his new executive assistant, Mary Jane Watson. Spider-Man's Spider ex-wife is yeah. now the major supporting character in Iron Man. Everybody knew this. Yeah, we've been talking about this, this yeah. for a while. Mm -hmm. She's going to get her own armor, apparently. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Okay, so this is played in the story as a big dramatic beat, a big dramatic moment where Mary Jane shuts down the board of directors, tells them to go away, tells them that Tony is on a retreat. Meanwhile, uh, Riri's armor is destroyed because she uses it to stop a speeding truck and ends up getting arrested. While in Japan, Tony's undercover mission is ended by the arrival of War Machine and the all-new, all-different Avengers. So War Machine literally comes in, cleans house, destroys the company that he's been infiltrating, blows everything up with two helicarriers and the full might of the Avengers. And there are some really cute moments in here. There's a great moment with Ms. Marvel. There's a running gag with Nova and Ms. Marvel and Spider-Man telling Iron Man, thanks, you know, you're welcome for the rescue. It's really charming. It's really cute kind of inter interpersonal stuff. But it all just kind of screeches to a halt. And the last thing we see in the issue is the villain, Tomoe, just walking down a street, looking back at the camera all dramatic-like because she'll be back later. It feels very Awkward And as likable as Tony Stark is in this, Iron Man literally does nothing in this issue. Everything happens around him, and it feels very weird to have your, your, your central character, your protagonist, completely alienated from all these things that happen. He's set up these, these complex kind of gambits that all just kind of screech to a halt. And it really does feel like it's creatures to a halt because we got to get around to a civil war. And that's, you know, the, the thing that we've repeatedly talked about is in order to read certain comics during the summer crossovers, you have to read the overarching crossover. And the first months of Invincible Iron Man have been really fun. Even this book has some great stuff in it. There's some nice Bendis conversations. There's some really, really good interactions between the uh, director of the board and Friday, his new uh, artificial intelligence. But what it all kind of boils down to is housekeeping in a lot of ways. And when you read the issue, having read the first 10, it feels like we've set up all of these intriguing bits and pieces and mysteries and a new status quo for Iron Man but forget all of that because now he's going to go off and do what he's doing in Civil War for the last three months. And that's frustrating for me. That knocks the issue down a lot. 
it's a likable book. It's a well-drawn book, but two slices of meatloaf just from the perspective of it's, it's literally slamming hard on the brakes. And you know these stories aren't going to be back for a while. Yeah, you know, DC gets a lot of crap for literally nuking their universes and just stopping these mm-hmm. stories short. You know, mm-hmm. some of which like the fans really like, but Marvel does it just as much, and yeah. like, and and sometimes it hurts even more because then you don't, you can't, like, you know, you might know that outside explanation, right? But you can't see it in the comic. You don't. There's no reason why this stuff is happening, right? And it it really does hurt this issue because any Bendis comic kind of lives and dies on how much time we get to spend in the characters' heads and how well we're allowed to interact with them. Because Bendis comics are really all about the dialogue and the personal interaction. His plotting is kind of for crap. And that's, you know, that's Is that his fault or is that the event fault? Well, it happens with all of his titles. It happened with Jessica Jones. A very meandering story with a really, really compelling protagonist and things happen and things happen and things happen. So I don't know. Part of it, I think, is, yes, Marvel's model of every six months without fail, we have a big overarching crossover that bumps sales. But I think ours also, also part of it is by design on Brian Bendis's part, the way he puts his stories together you spend a lot of time with these characters. You get in their heads. You get to see how they think and feel and act. But that takes time. And that, you know, we've taken 11 issues and we've gotten to the point where now we need to pivot and transition to something. But we've spent so much time with the interactions and the, the secrets and the undercovers that now we have to cram three issues worth of plot into 20 pages to get us to where we need to be next issue to be on our marks. And that, I don't know. I can't necessarily blame it on the creative team. I can't mm. necessarily blame it on the editorial team, but it is an issue that I think needs to be addressed. Okay, cool. Uh, so that was out last week from, mm-hmm. uh, from Marvel. Uh, this does feature Riri Williams and right. uh, the issues seven through 11 that features her. Mm-hmm. Have all sold out. They're going into second and third printings right now, and I'm guessing why. I'm guessing that the eBay sales are quite high. So if you're trying to get I a hold of some of these, imagine what yeah. could it be causing. Well, yeah, such because a- she's going to be the new Iron Man. That's already been revealed and announced. So yeah, Man, there you why go. Why you got to stomp on my joke? Oh, that was a joke. Okay, uh, Rodrigo, let's go take a look at your book, which I believe is out this week from Oni Press. Yes. My book is Space Battle Lunchtime, number three. Yes. (laughs) So what uh, Space Battle Lunchtime is, is is basically an intergalactic Iron Chef uh, comic. Intergalactic Iron Chef. Iron Chef. Sorry, I had to get it out of there. Uh, So uh, our main character um, is an Earthling human lady. And she is competing against these space aliens in an Iron Chef-style competition. And it's all kind of televised or whatever, whatever the, however the aliens view it. Um, she has to deal with, like, alien ingredients and things like that. Um, and in this particular issue, some malfeasance happens. Some, she is, somebody uh, is clearly trying to sabotage her, but... 
the sabotage doesn't go quite right, um, and someone else ends up paying the price. Man, this sounds so much like the first issue of Strawberry Shortcake that I reviewed a couple months ago. Does it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Strawberry oh. Shortcake. Well, um, I didn't read that, no, but that's okay. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting premise, definitely, and it's one that I was surprised I hadn't seen before. Um, even though, you know, by all means, all the all like the individual bits of it are brought together, it's, it's a pretty original concept. And I'm like, man, how did nobody do this before? Maybe somebody did, but doesn't matter. The execution of this is essentially it's super cute. Uh, the characters really cute. All the designs are really cute. Um, some of the aliens are scary without, you know, being like over the top, like ridiculous or or anything like that. A lot of them are really cute. There's one that's like this, like little tiny crustacean in this, like basically mecha suit. Um, there's one that has a melon for a head, uh, and it's literally called Melon Head. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this comic. Um, I found it a, a very enjoyable experience. There's a little bit of romance, a little bit of drama, a little bit of uh, cooking and stuff like that. It's 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 really cute. Um, I am going to give it four slices of meatloaf out of five. Cool. Um, I look forward to to reading further issues and also previous issues because this is issue number three. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested in it. Now, I haven't had a time to take a look at this, but do they include real recipes in there? Like, here's how you make a stellar sandwich. And then they give you the ingredients and everything on that. Because that would be uh, actually kind of interesting for them to do. That would be that would be cute for like a back, yeah, yeah. Like back cover kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so. I didn't see that. Mostly oh, really? they, see, they have a letters page, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and also ads for the mighty Zodiac, which I think yeah. is one thing that's something that's coming up from, uh, from, on. I think that's done or trade paperback, or maybe that's going to be an ongoing. Or maybe. Something. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Good things going on over there at, uh, Oni press. Thanks for that, Rodrigo. Uh, this week from DC comics, it's a flash number two from Joshua Williams and Carmine D. Uh, G. How do you say his last name, Matthew? Diaminko. Mm, Mininko. <laughs> Maybe okay. You say it with me. Uh, I'm going to go with D. Jean Domenico. There you go. Uh, so this is continuing on the lightning strikes twice uh, arc that was kicked off in the last issue, where um, Barry Allen's uh, one of his uh, police coworkers, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, was struck by lightning and also got. Speed force powers, got super speed powers. This issue picks up with uh, Barry training, or I should say the Flash training him and and his uh, friend finally con- uh, figuring out that he is Barry Allen, the Flash, which leads into this very nice discussion about Barry saying why we have to have secret identities, why we can't just go in and take, you know, uh, common criminals down, why we have to do things by the book or criminals get out, you know, get out and do bad things. We also start to get introduced to the big bad for this arc and what he's trying to do, um, which is the the name of the group is the Black Hole. And in the end, his new sidekick really understands that, yes, I do want to create a secret identity. Yes, I do want to protect the, the loved ones around me. So he finally gets it, at which point Barry says, wow, it's really interesting that I said 
you know, last week or last day or whatever it was when, when this happened, how much I needed a sidekick. And, oh, here comes a lightning storm that happened right around the same time I was thinking that. And then boom, 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 boom. People all over the city are getting struck by lightning. And we end the chapter with everyone getting speed force powers, or at least everyone who got struck by the lightning is getting speed force powers. So what is this Everyone mean? in the world. Not everyone in the world, just everyone who has been struck by the lightning. So Just everyone be, so in Spider Island. Yes. So there's sort of a flash mob, if, if you will. Yes, exactly, nice. Matthew. Nice. Uh, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was interesting. I think they actually are taking the... Um, the new speedster, a little bit different direction than I thought they would. I thought that they were really going to, and they set it up that he's going to go down the dark side and just use his powers to punch bad guys in the ha- uh, head and make their their heads explode. But I th- And they may still do that, but by the end of the issue, he's really come around to figure out what it means to be a police officer and also what it means to, and there's a bit where they cut it off where Barry basically starts saying, with great power... And then they cut it off without him <laughs> comes, able to finish that, without finishing that statement. Great so. blonde buzz cut. Yeah, the art is pretty good. I still have some of the same problems that I had the last time, but overall, I enjoyed the story tremendously. And in giving mm-hmm. Flash number two four out of five slices of the meatloaf. Nice. Yeah, listeners, you can head over to majorspoilers.com. We've got a whole bunch of reviews over there, and uh, including the brand new new super hyphen man. Super hyphen. Super hyphen man, man number one. That's right. You can go read that review over there as well. It's all over at Majorspoilers.com. No real poll of the uh, week this week, because this week we're asking you to go out and pick up the trade paperback for us. We've got Midnight Nation, Mr. Wonderful, A Love Story, Daniel Klaus, Earth Mm -hmm. X, and the Gunner Gunner Krieg Court uh, books that you can choose from. Mm -hmm. So go over there and vote. I'm kind of leaning towards the Gunner Krieg Court, but uh, listeners, it's up to you to pick. Uh, next week, we will actually do the one that you picked last month, which is um, Superman, Batman, Generations Volume 1. So Yay! Go read that, and you can uh, post comments, and uh, we may read them on the air, so go check that out. Also want to give a shout-out to Tweaked Audio, our sponsor for this episode, as they always do. Some great uh, earbuds and earphones over there at Tweaked Audio. Great styles, great designs. Best of all, they're engineered for durability, noise reduction design. They sound great. They look great, too. And uh, you can get them for a discount, 33% off when you use the checkout code MAJOR at tweakedaudio.com. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. Moving through this week, quite a bit, which leads us to our discussion of Wandering Island from Dark Horse Comics. Rodrigo, give us a rundown of what Wandering Island is about. Uh, Wandering Island is the story of a young woman. She lost her grandfather. Oh, no. And she also, after she loses him, she realizes that he had been looking for this island, which he calls Electric Island, mm-hmm. um, that appears somewhere in the Pacific. And she's like, I'm going to find it. And it's the story of her trying to find it. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. What you guys think? What's your initial reaction there, Matthew? I kind of loved the tone and pacing of yeah, it. Me too. It's kind of got a, it's, I, it takes place on some of the outer lying Japanese islands. And mm-hmm. because you can't get a, you know, commercial mail delivery service out there, she's flying these little planes uh, yep. from back and forth between the little islands to deliver packages and messages to everyone that lives out there. 
So there's a slower pace that's going on. And interestingly, if you read the back matter, I think one of the islands in which this is set on is literally only 20 miles away from like, uh, is it Tokyo or Osaka? I can't forget, uh, forget which one that they say, where they literally say it's like a change of night and day just by going 20 miles because you're in the middle of a mega metropolis. And then you go to this little island and there's, you know, it's just a little small fishing community. So it's, it really has a slower pace, especially when she discovers that, uh, this uh, island is actually floating around and she's trying to figure out this pattern of where it will appear next. And she's going out and she's actually putting her life in danger when she does this because the first time she goes out there and tries to land, she wrecks her plane and is mm-hmm. recovered a few days later by a, a passing ship. Uh, but uh, there's this mystery of what the island is. There's also, um, uh, you know, this this laid back coping of loss or trying to reconnect with her dead grandfather, which I think makes the story rather interesting. Yeah. Well, and it it's one of those long form stories that I really, really enjoy when you can kind of get in depth into her day-to-day life and mm-hmm. the things that she's going through trying to reconnect with her grandfather. And of course there's a there's a bit with her English teacher who is also obsessed with the vanishing islands. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really interesting to just spend time in this person's life and spend time in Makura's head because she's trying to figure stuff out. And I have no idea how much time takes place in this, in this uh, volume. I think it's like months, maybe it could be, it could be years because she says that her grand in the very beginning, we see that she hears her grandfather's death Mm -hmm. and it may just be this printing, but I love the fact that, at the point that she hears that grandpa is dead, the color portion of the volume stops. Right, right, yeah. There's no more color in her life, and it's metaphorically perfect. But just looking at the drawings from panel to panel was my first read. Because, well, first of all, I started reading it backwards. Yep. But just looking at the detail and the gorgeousness of these images, that was my whole first read. I've actually read through this almost four times now. Mm -hmm. And each time there's things that I missed, the things that are, that are in the story, things that are in the art. And when I first started reading it backwards, it starts with her talking to a cat, right? And the cat just following her along. And it's the most adorable sequence ever because she keeps telling the cat, go, go away. And the cat kind of cowers and hides and then continues sneaking around behind her and following her. And just that sequence with her and her cat is, as far as I'm concerned, that's worth the price of admission right there. That's beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question about this. This is definitely presented in the manga style. uh, Mm -hmm. but, But, of course, it's been translated to English. So mm-hmm. you are expected to read the book um, right to left uh, to, the right. Back of the, to the back of the book. Now, I'm not saying this has to be done, but would it be – do you think that these would be better accepted if they, if they actually flipped it to a, to a Western, to a Western it, style of reading? Because I know uh, – who, who published the original uh, Akira volumes? Because that's what they did. They actually went in and flipped the pages – yeah, that was Marvel. To, that yeah, that. I thought that's it, who it was, so that you could read it, it left to right. Yeah, it depends who they're trying to sell this to. If they're yes. trying to sell it to comic book, like superhero comic book people, then maybe. But chances are, this comic is aimed at not <laughs> your usual comic mm-hmm. book store 
frequenting like what's new with Spider-Man type people. Mm -hmm. And I find that they're going to be a lot more easy about, you know, it's like, oh, well, I guess this comic reads from this direction to this direction mm -hmm. because, yeah. you know, um, obviously the other big portion of, of this is people who already read, read manga and sure, would be interested right. in something like this. And obviously they're already used to that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, and I think that trying to market this to the already hardcore American comic book audience is not, is not where you want to take this. Mm, because, yeah, I, because I find, I, I found this is something is very charming about this book, something very good about this book. Now they reference in the solicitation that it says in the spirit of Hayao Miyazaki. And to be honest with you, even before I read that line and I get into the part about there's this uh, wandering island, I'm like, oh, my God, this feels just like Castle in the Sky, but a really different take on it with an older person and everything. Mm -hmm. I think there would be a lot of people who would be very, very interested in this. And so I, it, I, I don't know if, if, the, if a larger audience might be brought in by presenting it in a different format. See, this is the, the age-old dilemma of, of manga. It's that thing of... Mm -hmm. Do you adjust it? It's the the subbing versus dubbing right. only in comic book form. And the arguments are very vehement. I would rather read it like this, even though it is extremely oh, sure. frustrating to mm -hmm. read uh, in the the particular copy that we had. Oh, yeah. we were, So, it's so listeners it. know, just so we know, listeners know, we got this in an electronic form from Dark Horse. This is a yes. review copy that they sent us. So... Mm -hmm. It is sent to us that when you open it, it starts at the last page. So yeah. if you want to read this, you have to go to the last page and work your way backwards. There's right. also the issue of depending on how you're reading it. This is a PDF format. If you're opening it up in, a, in an application like Comic Book Lover, even mm -hmm. that side by side pages kind of get reversed in the way it's presented. So it was kind of yeah. a mess reading this in a digital form. Yeah, and you do have – I had this problem where you had to go to the last page, scroll up to the top of it, scroll down – Read yeah. the bottom, then scroll back up to the next page. What? You I mean they don't say, have I one of them say, giant 48-inch monitors? No, I don't have one of them. <laughs> some, some readers will um, allow you to flip stuff. So mm -hmm. next time we get something like this, check your settings. You might be able to do it. I, yeah, yeah. The one that I used, mm -hmm. uh, you can you can flip things. You can make things go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Oh, that'd um, be cool. Yeah. yeah, Comic Book Lover does in that, fact, too. It's got a manga. The thing that's nice about it. it is that, you know, it has that, you know, that flip motion that you do from uh, panel panel. right to left, mm -hmm. uh, when you're reading it in the opposite direction, you do it in the opposite direction as well. And it just kind of like it, it feels natural to, to right. flip yeah. it in the opposite way. Yeah. And I think in the digital format, and I don't know how it's presented on the Comixology or any of the uh, Dark Horse digital apps. Mm -hmm. But I think the interesting thing is that if you're not familiar with this or you're not used to reading the manga style, uh, it mm -hmm. takes a little bit to get into the rhythm of how you're supposed to read it. But then as soon as you do, it's just supernatural to yeah. read. And so I don't yes. I don't fault Dark Horse for presenting it in the way they did. In fact, I, I actually enjoyed reading it this way. Um, and especially I, with I, what's the Bat Manga series? They also did that DC when they republished it. Mm -hmm. uh, they also presented in that way. And, you know, the first you know couple of pages, you're like, huh, again, and, and getting into that flow. But then from there on out for the remaining 200 pages, it's it's really yeah, easy. You get into it, and I think part of that is just the the quality of the work on the actual page here is just breathtaking. It's amazingly mm -hmm. detailed. It's amazing mm -hmm. work. And the thing that I really appreciate is it's sometimes difficult to read manga and have those moments where all of a sudden boobs. This has a 
you know, a 20 something female protagonist who goes through her life. She works on a plane. So a lot of times she's wearing a bikini top or running around. And there's a sequence where she's running around naked, but it doesn't feel like, ooh, ooh look well, how naughty we're being. It feels perfectly natural. Right. Because she's also it's, covered up in those. Right. But it's her. It's her life. We're in her life. We're seeing this, and it's not something that's presented as freakish. It's not something that's presented as prurient. It's just, hey, by the way, I need to go find some underwear right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's she literally thinks that to herself at, at one point. And I really like the way, just the way this whole thing played out with the character mm-hmm. and the focus on the things that happen around her. It feels like we're being introduced to Makura a little bit at a time. So we meet her friends, we find out about her backstory, we find out about her grandfather, and it just plays out really naturally. And we get to that breaking point at the end, and I'm like, okay, next volume, please. I know, right? That, that, was, my, that was my biggest complaint is that we got to the end as she's flying off and she thinks she's pinpointed exactly where the island's going to show up next and where she can land to be safe. And we end the volume, and I was like, ah! But because this is presented in the way it is and because of the original source material it doesn't surprise me that we're telling a slower story where you can literally have a full page spread that is just mm-hmm. a shot looking down at her messy apartment uh, with maps mm-hmm. and, and doodads scattered apart so you can you can see what's going on or when she loses her electricity because she hasn't been working to pay her bills because she's been so obsessed about finding this island we get just a couple of just quiet panels of her reflecting and relaxing and and you know just Taking in this whole sleepy little town is part of the reading experience. So the art is fantastic and the detail is fantastic in this. And I don't fault it for breaking it where it did. But I'm like you, Matthew. I really needed the next volume right away. In a way, even if there weren't another volume coming, I kind of like that ending too. Because she's trying to figure out a mystery. And as she embarks to that last bit of mystery, we're no longer part of the story. So, you know, it's the the O. Henry Rod Serling ending where you get to decide what comes next. She flies off into the sunset never to be seen again. And or a year from now, we get another volume, please. Thank you. But either way, I'm kind of fine with that. Yeah. I kind of think that it's almost like you you said you love the part where she's telling the cat to go away, but the cat eventually crawls in and goes with her. Right. Um, She's she's talking to us, the audience, about go away. I don't want you to see that part until we say, yeah, we do want to go with you. And so now yeah. we have to wait for the next volume. Uh, Rodrigo, what, what is your what is your thought on this? Uh, what we've just been talking about as far as the art and where the volume ends. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize there was going to be another volume. I thought that was the end of it, and I thought it was like I I I feel that's a good way to end it. Honestly, well, I'm, I'm, she goes off, and you know, and in my read of it, she you know finds the island and never comes back, just like the last guy and the guy before that. Well, right. I'm guessing that there's going to be a volume two. I mean, the, it's called Wandering Island Volume One. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe there's not. Maybe that's how this book but, does. You know, end. they could do anything with it. They could find. You know, the next one could be some other person that's trying to find it and right. their story. Because this is, in fact, a story that's mostly about a a, a young woman coping with loss. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if the next issue was about like us. A Japanese schoolboy, like trying to like put something else together and figuring out how to like connect with like his older sister, and like mm-hmm. and the, and the island was just just kind of this like device that existed outside of the narrative, kind of right. pushing stuff in towards them. Yeah, the island say, can be a metaphor, right? Know. Right. So there's two things that that 
show up here. One thing that I'm reading says that this is the first volume and it was released this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, then the, so to me that implies when you say first volume, that it means there will be other volumes coming up. Right. Then another article I'm reading says the original 150 page work was published in the manga box, uh, anthology in 2010 and then began irregular serialization after that. Uh, the, Uh and and then that's when the uh, first compiled volume, uh, arrived in Japan in October 2001. So it again, it still makes it sound like there may be more, maybe but more. maybe not so more. And it doesn't the sound like we're going to get it anytime the back soon. Matter does say that he is a very meticulous and slow creator. Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at the art, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, I don't. So yeah, it may be one of those things seconds. where we're expecting another volume, but we have no idea when or if he's going to finish it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree about with Rodrigo. It. I think that's a great ending. Yeah, thinking about it, where you guys said because I just assumed that there's going to be a second uh, volume when we're going to get to the island and we're going to find uh, Laputa and and uh, uh, all the other characters and giant robots walking around and all that stuff. But now that you're now that you're saying, oh, you read this <laughs> as a definite ending, I'm kind of okay with that too. It's a little bit you have to then approach it in that way, mm-hmm. and that may make the book even better than it already is. In a way, that makes it one of those terrifying, bittersweet, heartrending Japanese stories yeah. where in searching for a way to cope with her own loss, she's gone. And anyone who loved her now gets to deal with their own loss. But she's gone off to find whatever she needs to find, and she's better for it. But everybody at home is just like, <sighs> so, and then the, you know, the blossoms fall from the trees. Then and- let's extrapolate something. If this is where the story ends, let's just say it does end here mm-hmm. and going into the book in color, then she's coping with loss. And then she says, I don't care how long it takes. If it takes me three years and I miss it, then I'll come back in six years. And if it takes me an entire lifetime, I'll take my entire lifetime. And she goes off and flies off. Would it then mm-hmm. not make, if that was the ending, have those final, that final double page splash be back in color? Mm, that would be interesting. Thematically, yeah. I think that would work. I mean, if that is the end, I mean, she's I want to bust gotten over her. Shop. She's I'll gotten over up. her uh, loss and everything, and now she's taking that on. It's just interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Sure. And I, I think can that, see that. that that may also be part of the reason why they didn't uh, flip everything, because the art corrections would be murder. There's oh, a yeah. lot of stuff that. But yeah, I I don't know when it comes to a work that is so personal. And a lot of times we see this in manga and we see this in some of the, the European import books as well, where someone is doing the story that they want to tell at the pace that they want to tell it without being interrupted by civil war two. Not that I'm bitter about that. You get to a point where I feel like maybe I would rather see it in the right to left orientation, the way the creator made it. It's, one of those, hey, Quentin Tarantino went out of his way to go and buy this old film stock and put this old film camera together and do all these things so you can see this movie in the original film and see what he has. I feel like maybe that left-to-right orientation is the comic book version thereof where you're reading this and going, okay, he wrote this from right to left and we're going to, by God, read it from mm-hmm. right to left and mm-hmm. we're going to deal. Yeah. So what's the bottom line on this, Rodrigo? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, but you have to go in sort of with the expectation that this is a story about a girl kind of trying to find herself and not a uh, two-fisted adventure about a secret magical island. 
Um, if you if you are aware of that going in, I think you'll enjoy this. If you are yeah. like because the whole like Ghibli thing can be a little bit, or like Miyazaki thing can be a little misleading, where you think that you know she's gonna be over there and her cat, and suddenly her cat <laughs> will turn start into like talking. a giant right. overstuffed flying cat. I was um, waiting for the cat to talk. Right, right. So that the expectation is that it's like the Miyazaki stuff, and that it's like wide and lyrical and there's all of this great background stuff and all of these like quirky perfectly mundane characters around um that's that's where that stuff uh draws a comparison um but yeah if you go in expecting a small story in a big vista this is actually something that's going to yeah. be very enjoyable mm-hmm. for you i say pick this book up just for the art alone because it is so fantastic i love the slow pace of it it's just wonderful from the art alone. And then you get into the story of our of our main character and we get to see everything from her point of view. It's just a wonderful book and I highly recommend Wandering Island. Matthew? Yeah, this is going to be pretty much the hat trick because this is a lovely, reflective, beautiful, quiet story. It's the kind of thing that you really... You almost, and I don't want to say this as as a, a pejorative, you almost can't get this anywhere other than a manga-type story. And I feel like that's really the selling point is this is maybe a little meandering, and that's fine, and it works, and it's perfectly in character for for the character, for the situation, for the beats of it. It's really an expert work and i i would recommend it even if you've never read any manga or if you're like oh i don't know how to read this because it's backwards (laughs) i still say pick it up read it figure it out for yourself because the pure craft in here is so worth the experience of figuring out how your browser works or how to read a book in the opposite direction that you've been reading it so yeah all right, everybody, there you go. Thanks for uh, checking us out. And thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We're going to be back next week because we're going to be taking a look at Superman Batman Generations Volume 1. Why? Because you picked it, and we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.